Harrison Army Rising. The church is the breeding grounds for raising godly men and women who are willing to apply kingdom principles and values to bring transformation to their respective societies. We need to have a national focus. We don't have to lose this ambition or else we work against the Great Commission. They are equipped in righteousness. Unless our righteousness exceeds those who just know ABC and sometimes others to do, but they don't do unless we see that we pray for god to raise right ministers in our nations we pray for god to raise right tax collectors we pray for god to raise right security agents they are bold and fearless standing your ground when the battle has been heated to such an extent that everyone is running away but we don't quit for we know no defeat the agenda to possess the nations. Welcome to an equipping center of the word and prayer on Pentecost hour. Stay tuned in. Shabo Sande Rebakitanda. Bidiolomo Sande Bakatanda. You are a great God. You are a great God. We worship you, O God. We just come before thy throne of grace, Father. Unto you shall the gathering of the people be. Without you, there's nothing that we can do, Lord. Prove yourself mighty. Stir your spirit within us. And help us, O God, move on, O God. We have done check for so long. We have talked about PRDVC for so long now. We want a new page. A new page, O God. A new strategic approach. Let it be, Spirit of the Living God. Rabo Sine Mataya. Rondiribikitonde Masanda. Bidiolobokotanda. You are God and you are Lord. You are God and you are Lord. Preside over our meetings, Lord. Let it be, O God, that your voice will be heard. Let it be that your face will be seen. Don't hide your face, O God. Don't hide your face from us. Don't hide your face from us. Let us see your face. Let us hear your voice. Amen. Shall we please have our seat? So we are building tomorrow's church today. And we need to build it to be strong. Because the church has an opposition in the devil. I said that when Jesus said, I'll build my church, he hinted that the gates of Hades will not be able to withstand it. What that means is that the gate of Hades will try to stop the church but the church must prove unstoppable in every generation. The church should be able to march on in power. It must be strong enough to answer tough questions, meet difficult needs, and solve tough problems. The church must be strong enough to answer questions, meet needs, and solve problems. We are not just building a strong church. We are building this church to last. It should grow beyond us, so the Adams should be brought on board. Now I'm surprised how he has been able to summarize all that I've said the past two weeks in so much power. So once we are building the church to last, we need to be careful how we build it. And we must consciously bring the children and the youth on board. Acts chapter 21 verse 5. Acts 21 verse 5. Let me remind you of this scripture. Acts 21 verse 5. When it was time to live... We left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and 
children accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we, including the children, knelt to pray. So the church always includes children and youth. So we must consciously bring them on board so that they, there will come no generation who do not know our God or what we do in church. So we must consciously hand the baton to the young people whilst we pray that tomorrow's church will even be better than today. We said that E. Pinto made a statement that a society that hates its youth has no future. So we don't have to hate our youth and children. It will have no future. But those of us who are married and we have kids, the children are with us. At least they should know what it means to know the Ten Commandments. They should understand the Bible stories so that when they grow and they are preaching, they will not find it difficult bringing in examples that will fit the test that is in the New Testament. Please, let us begin building the church at home. Because your home should be your first church and your first seminary where we teach children to know about God and raise them for the church and raise them for the society. And we said that we are not just building the church to be strong. We are not just building the church to last. We are also building it to spread. But look at this square. Look at this square. Still talking about building to last. Look at this square. That sang when the queen died. Look at the composition of the choir. Here. I think you can see the picture clearly. You see the composition of the choir. There are children there. You see the aged. Now if you bring these children on board, this choir will never lack people. Because as the old folks die, these young ones will fill the space. So every strong organization, you always ask yourself, what do you have at the warehouse? What do you have at the warehouse? When we just parade old folks in church, what that means is this. When death comes around to pick all of us, our shop will be empty. Yeah. But we must have a lot of reserve at the warehouse. As they pick one, we bring some in and fill. Look at the composition of the choir. So I'm suggesting that what we call the royal vessels should not be separate from the children's choir nor the youth choir. We may have them sing maybe in their own meetings. But when we have this royal versus annual, what is that? Royal praise. Don't go and bring older folks there. The children too can sing. Let us have a choir that composes all of us. There must be children, there must be the youth, and there must be the elderly. Let us, let us do that. We need to build this church let us give space for the young people because we are building tomorrow's church today. So we began talking about building to spread. 
building to spread, building to spread. First Thessalonians 1 verse 7. Please, this is just a reminder. First Thessalonians 1 verse 7 and 8. First Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The lost message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Now, when we are talking about their faith being known everywhere, that one is about their conduct in Christ. It is known everywhere. But apart from their conduct, living a good life out there, he says that the message also rang from the church in Thessalonica. So we should do the proclamation as well as walking the talk, being good examples of Christ wherever we work and even in homes. Wherever you are, please consciously put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is to tell you that you are not like them. You are a holy vessel. So you cannot sit anywhere. You cannot stand anywhere. You cannot maybe walk anywhere. Because blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor stand in the way of sinners. Or sit in the seat of scoffers. Now when people are adding zeros and they are duping companies. When that notes come to you, don't sign. Now... This is where the struggle is. All of us know that we are supposed to be good examples of Christ, even at our workplaces. And we know the evil that goes on there. But sometimes the courage to stand against it is a problem. But you are an agent of transformation. Now let us stand against it so that they will arrest you, they will arrest me, they will arrest all of us. And eventually they will arrest corruption. They will arrest corruption itself. This young man who decided that he was not going to sign this was eventually sacked from his job. And then he called us because we have been preaching about <laughs> righteousness exalting the nation. And then he called the general secretary that this is what has happened to him just because he stood for the right thing. And then the GS prayed for him. He said, don't worry. God will always vindicate the righteous. So he, he was at home for about a month, two months, not working. Then he had a call one day from this company. Now he's, he's receiving more cash. He's been elevated. And the position he's occupying is better than where they sacked him from. They sacked him because of righteousness. And unless all of us stand and exalt the law in our very lives, whether by life or by death, nothing will change in our nation. Nothing will change. But the hope of the manifestation of the glory of God is the church. That is, the church is God's hope of transformation on the land. That is why all of us who are born again, by the virtue of the blood, you are a holy person. Now listen. We are not going to be holy. Positionally, you are holy. When you walk the holy walk, that is where we talk about righteousness, doing what is right. But every one of us here is holy because of the blood. That is the church, holy people. So live as a holy person wherever you find yourself. Don't fight with your wife. Don't beat her. 
because you are a holy vessel. Not because she's always pleasing you. You don't qualify to fight when you are a holy vessel. Let us walk with this mentality and we will change the land. The church is not relevant to the society unless the church transforms it. Otherwise, what is the use of coming to church if the darkness is not finding any room for the light? Then what is the use? I pray that God will help us. Now, so we are building the church to be strong. We are building it to last and we are building it to spread. Now, so I'll continue building the church to spread. But let's take this connection, the church in Cyprus, just for some three minutes and I'll come back. The meaning of youth is the period of time between childhood and adulthood. But there is so much more to youth than just time. The youth in the Church of Pentecost Cyprus is aged between 13 to 35. The youth have a much greater purpose, and this is shown in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, where Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. This is the mandate that is set upon the youth, and this is what makes us valuable not only to the church, but to society and all nations too. Being youthful means that we are full of energy and have inquisitive minds, which gives us the ability to influence, to break through, and to create. Youth also represents a coming of age and a new beginning. The role we play in the church is mandated by Jesus himself. And because of this, it is important that the members of the church also represent the members of society. Humility is key in order to make the church a place that is open to all cultures. Growing up in different cultures and societies helps us as youth become easily adaptable to change. This is a great benefit because we are sensitive to different cultures and open to gaining knowledge. This positively impacts our walk with God as it becomes a very personal and special relationship. Building such a strong relationship with God makes it easier and more joyful to spread the word of God amongst those that we live with. Our community is diverse. And so the way in which we spread God's word should be just as diverse. We cannot do it alone. We need our mothers and our fathers of the church to support us in the same way that Saul supported David in his fight with Goliath. At Church of Pentecost Cyprus, we don't just talk the talk, we walk the walk. We aren't masters, but we are striving daily to achieve and accomplish what Jesus has commanded us to do. We want to make room for everyone, so we'd like to show you how we are going about achieving this. So in our attempt to build a multicultural church, we decided to use the following five questions as a guide and a framework which informs our thinking and our actions. Um, the first question for us was, who are we trying to reach? Who are we trying to reach? Um, this probably is the most important question out of them all. Then the second question for us was, once we know who we're trying to reach, where will we find them? 
where we find those people. Then the third question for us is how will we get them in? How do we bring them to faith? How do we bring them into our fellowship and into our community? Then the fourth question for us is when they come in, how do we keep them? How do we keep them? How do we ensure they keep coming back and they belong to this community? Then the fifth and final question for us was how do we grow them? How do we grow them in faith um, once they come and they belong? So with all these questions answered, the next thing for us was to adapt our service and adapt, uh, make changes to the various departments to ensure that um, we walked in this framework. Yeah, so those of us who were in church last week, I'm sure that we are just trying to recap what happened. Now, this pastor in Cyprus, wanting to build a multiracial, multinational, multi what? Multicultural church has adapted some strategies. His first question is, who are we trying to reach? Who are we trying to reach? Now, I have said that the church is a community of holy people walking in love and advancing onto the world with the gospel of salvation. There's a mandate to perform. So we must always ask questions like this. Who are we trying to reach? Especially for us as PIWC. You are a network in the Church of Pentecost with a special tax. So we must always be focused on our purpose and work in particular ways to achieve our mandate. So the first question to him is this. Who are we trying to reach? And I want the presbyters who are listening to me sit on this and then try to answer this question. Who are we trying to reach? Then the next question is, where will we find them? Where will we find them? What this means is that if we find them at the east, then the whole church will go to the east and go and bring them. Then he said, how do we get them in? So we know where we can find them, but we must devise means to getting them in. Then, how do we keep them when they come? How do we make them comfortable in our fraternity, in our fellowship? Then the next question is, how do we grow them? How do we grow them? So we have one, two, three, four, five. How do we grow them? But I want to add the sister one. You see, how do we unleash them? We don't just bring people in and disciple them, disciple them to look like Christ and walk like Christ. We have a mandate. So we have to unleash the disciples. So it's like a cycle. We ask ourselves, who are we trying to reach? How do we get them in? How do we keep them? How do we grow them? And then we unleash them. And then we bring people in. You understand? So it's like a cycle. Any church that really wants to grow must be evangelistic in nature. We said this the other time. Now, I believe in discipleship, but we can't disciple all the people to become like Christ before we go bringing in the sinner. So as we are discipling the church, we also have to go and bring some people to Christ. So we need to know how we can also unleash the church. That is building the church to spread. The church has a great example in the people of Israel. Let's go to Exodus chapter 19, 5 and 6. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. God used Israel in the past and God is using the church in the now. What he did with them, he wants to do the same with us. 
in our generation. So we need to know the Israelites were in God's plan and how God used them to spread the knowledge of him to the nations and what we can do in our time to build this church to spread. Exodus chapter 9, 5 and 6. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Full stop. Then the next line. Shall we read the next line together? Although the whole is mine. Now listen. This statement simply means that God didn't love Israel much more than the Canaanites. No. But Israel was chosen as a strategy to reach the other nations who are God's. Now, when you go out and you see an unbeliever, don't think that God does not like the unbeliever. He loves him just as he loves you. And he wants the unbeliever to become his son through the blood. And so, we should always think, know that God has people outside the gates, outside the church house, and we must ask ourselves, how do we get them in? Now, Genesis chapter 9, verse 18 and 19. Genesis 9, 18 and 19. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan, 19. Let's read 19 together. Ready, go. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who over the whole earth. We, we read in scripture that Noah found favor with God. And then from Noah, we, we, we have all come. And so when we are talking about the Ammonites, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, where did they come from? From Noah. So God is interested in the Israelites as well as the Canaanites because they all came from Noah. But why did he choose Israel? Let's go back to Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Back to Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. Verse 6 brings why God chose them. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So God chose Israel to be for him a kingdom of what? Priests. Even though they have the high priest and all that, every Israelite was supposed to be a priest. And they were going to be his priests. So God raised Israel as a kingdom of priests and he scattered them on the earth. By AD 70, one man said this. He said that they, there is no place on this planet that you can find these people. They had been scattered everywhere as kingdom of priests. Sometimes you may think that God sent them to Babylon because they sinned against God. God was just scattering them. So that they went out there as kingdom of priests. When Daniel found himself before Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to bow to his gods, they would not, because in their mind, they were priests to Nebuchadnezzar. 
And they believed that they had something more powerful, more precious than what Nebuchadnezzar was talking about. Look at how they changed the land. They changed the land. They would not bow to anything that has not been sanctioned even for them to eat. That is how they saw themselves. I pray that we too will do that for God in our generation. Now, they went everywhere so that through them, the whole world will know that God is one. And that any nation that comes under the control of the Almighty God will be blessed. That is what they went out to do. They were a kingdom of priests for the Almighty God. Every one of them. Now, in the New Testament, let's read 1 Peter 2, verse 9. In the New Testament, Israel's role culminated in Christ. And then from Christ, God raised a new community of people called the church. And we are the new community of people. We are God's hope to carry the gospel to the world. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen people. Now, does it? when we read Exodus 19, God said that I have chosen you. But today it's not about Israel, it's about us. A royal what? priesthood, a holy nation. We heard a holy nation in Exodus when God referred to Israel as his people whom he has chosen. But we didn't hear royal priesthood in Exodus 19. We only heard priests. Because in the Old Testament, you couldn't wear, serve the two offices together at the same time. Now, when Uzziah attempted, he had leprosy on the forehead. When Saul attempted it, he lost his throne. It was only Melchizedek and the Messiah who could be priests and kings at the same time. And then because whatever Jesus is, we are. So in the New Testament, instead of saying the kingdom of priests, he says you are royal priesthood. So we are priests unto the world. But we are not just priests unto the world to take their issues to God and bring something from God to them. No. We are also royals. See, the royals in the Old Testament, they were fond of walking on top of their roof. What for? They walk on top of their roof to survey the land. The land that they survey, they want to check what is going on. That was what David was doing when he, unfortunately, his eyes fell on a naked body and gave him problems. But the royals walked on top of their roof. They were checking the land. Now, so if you are a Christian, you cannot say that for you, you don't want to get involved in issues of politics because you are a royal. You have to be concerned about what is going on in the land. You have to be concerned. We, all of us cannot be in our room praying as priests. We have to open our eyes and check what is going on. Now, that is why Elijah came before Ahab and said, it is never going to rain except by my word. Now, people who do that and then heaven respond to them immediately. What that means is that in their closet, they are prayer warriors. So when they come out, they just speak and it happens. They speak and it happens. Why should he go and meddle himself in the issues of the land? See, who has, these days we don't come to church with the hard copies of the Bible. But if we take, yeah, yeah, bring yours. Yeah. 
Thank you very much. You know what we should do? We should look and live. We should look and live. We should check what the scripture says and compare it with what is going on in the society. If it is against it, we need to confront it. Now listen. We should look and live. Look into the scripture. Now the Bible said of Israel that any time that they veered from God, one of the things that can happen to them was famine. So Elijah said, what is going on? This is apostasy. Then he declared that famine. And God sanctioned it because it was in sync with scripture. We need to look and live. Every generation of Christians should, de should determine what culture rules your society. Don't let us sit down and let LGBT people knock at our doors. And then we say it is okay. We don't hate them, but they shouldn't rule the land. Because we must be concerned about the future. If all of us are lesbians, how can we have procreation? How? But the, the word of God that came out of his mouth said, be fruitful and multiply. And if there's any system that wants to rise itself against the knowledge of God, we must stop it. Now listen, somebody will say, hey, Osofu, take time, see? If I perish, I perish. Now listen, we have to rise and save this nation. How can we always be talking about corruption and get the nation in this state? Now listen, it is not all about the politicians. We. Where is the salt of the earth? To say that the world is corrupt is an understatement. God himself knows that the world is corrupt. That is why when we were born again, he made that the salt of the earth to at least heal the corruption of the land. So where are the salts? Why is the nation corrupt if the salt is doing its work? Why are we in darkness when we are the light of the world? How can 70 plus people who profess to be Christians be on this land and darkness engulfs us? There's something wrong about church. There's something wrong about church. Our understanding of church is corrupt. We go to church and it's all about prophetic ministry. People are prophets and you become this, you become that. So when people are stealing the government's money, they do not care because he has been prophesied that he will be this, he will be that. Now you go to a, a Sunday service like this. Good Sunday morning service. And the whole place is flooded with oil. Because somebody is just anointing people with oil. And the shameful thing is that they also sell the oils. What a treat. If Jesus were here, he would have shipped them from the house. Because they are making the house of God a place of merchandise. How can you, the pastor, who is declaring that anointing oil uh, will heal the sick will do that be the same person who is the seller of the oil is that not deceit now listen the church of Pentecost should rise we should rise and raise righteousness on the land and change the narrative change the narrative all of us after church today what do you do with your life there should be no dichotomy between what goes on on Sunday and what goes on on Monday there should not be any dichotomy. We have to be 
the same everywhere in holiness. So God hopes in us to bring righteousness on the land. We must build this church to spread. So when we close from church, we all move into our spheres and change our spheres. Impact the place with godly principles, values, and lifestyle. Are we together? Let me see if you are here. Let me see you if you are here. Fine. Hmm. We need to impart our spheres. I'm talking about the government and politics. Government and politics, we need to impart it. Let us raise your men who are good Christians and unleash them into the political arena. Let us raise good Christians and then make them lawyers so that they can make good arguments and change the constitution. We need to be, be interested in governance and politics, business and economy. Influence the sphere. Now, how can somebody go trading from Togo? He gets to the border. A whole a member of the Church of Pentecost with a load of goods. She gets down, walks to that office there, and the one there too is a member of the Church of Pentecost. They go there, and the two of them they talk. And the, the woman just greased this, this man's palm. And this custom officer, who is supposed to make sure that nobody does that, gets out and with his authority, hey, open the, open the gate. Let this woman go. Let this woman go. Because he is taking something from this woman. Now, if we keep doing this, how do we change the nation? Those of you who are businessmen and women, Try and pay your royalties Amen. to the government. Me, the problem is that if this custom officer is just taking something from this woman and allowing her to go, and he will not go and stand in the queue at the end of the month for the salary, I wouldn't have had any problem with him. Because you have taken enough. Yes, you have taken enough. Meanwhile, these are the very people who complain that our salaries are small. But meanwhile, you have taken everything to your home. What a shame. We are praying that God will change this land, but it depends on you and I. Look at, we have a lot of lawyers, but the poor people are suffering because there's no one to actually be an advocate for the poor again. So the poor is sent to jail whilst this judge knows that this person is not guilty. Who will rise and save the poor? God is hoping in the church to change the narrative. God is hoping in the church. Are we together? Yes, fine. Education and science. We have a nation who is always politicizing the education system, making politics with it. SHS three years, somebody counts four years, and now when I come, I'll take it to eight years. Because everybody is bringing his own year, so I'll also go eight years. 
I mean, what is this? And many of us are teachers, and we don't even care. We don't even care. All we care of is what we will get at the end of the day. We are not concerned about, about the curriculum that rules the minds of tomorrow's children. Education and what? Science. The media. This one. Yeah. They call themselves the fourth what? Yeah. They call themselves like that. Look at the challenges they give this nation. Look at the challenge. They'll put words in your mouth. We went to a Galamse site to inspect the place. We gave interview for them. We said what we wanted to say. And as Christians and as pastors, before we left there, we held our hands and we prayed for the land. And then they captured that part. And then when it came on the news, people, this media people decided to to, to spite us and then say that we are foolish people. We just went out there to pray. We don't apologize praying. We don't apologize praying. Why should we put in an apology praying? Yeah, even if we went there to fast for three days, it will yield better results than what we have been doing all this while. Yes. The media. When it's about the election, that is where people want to catch in. So this media is for this one, this media is for this party. And they are dividing us. Today we cannot sing our patriotic songs anymore because we have been deeply divided. Pray that God will unite us again. So we need to penetrate this sphere and make sure that young men and women who fear the Lord will go out there and give us credible news. News that will give us hope for the future. We need to penetrate the media space. Mm. Now, culture entertainment. Yeah, we need to take it very seriously. We don't only have to preach the word. We need to dramatize it as well. Don't leave the entertainment industry only for certain names. Let's go there. Fill the place with the message of Christ in drama. And let's take over the social space. Let us raise young men whom God has granted grace gift so far as this department is concerned. Now sports and religion. Any time that our blasters will have to go for any contest, we'll come back and there must be a tribunal. Yeah. <laughs> we have to find out where, who took this money, who did that. And that is the hottest, hottest ministry in this, in this nation. Yeah. Maybe second to the finance ministry. But as for the sports ministry, you can't be there for two years. Any time that we... Unless you are there and there's no contest. But any time that you are there, if, let's say, the president mentioned your name today, and then next week there's a contest, it means that by two weeks' time you are going to be reviewed. <laughs> that is what it means. And we, we, we seem not to have solution. But when great Christians go there, we shall change 
the system. We shall change the system. Fine. So what do we do? But I do not wake up in the morning going to the sports ministry. I don't go there. I don't go there. I don't go to uh, AME. I don't go there. I don't wake up in the morning and then go to the Ministry of Finance. I don't go to the marketplace. I don't go there. But you see, all of you have come to me. Let's listen to our Nigerian sister. Give me the old-time religion. It's good for me. It was good for our fathers. It was good enough for our mothers. It is good enough for me. Since the days of David, the youth have taken the mantle of leadership. David said to Saul, 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, Let no man lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Where Saul and the army of Israel saw a giant who has been a warrior since his youth, David saw an unsuccessful circumcised Philistine. David volunteered himself. He didn't say Israel have a great army. Building a multicultural church is our Goliath today. We have been given the mandate to go out and possess the nations. But by the grace of God, the nations have come to us. They are in our schools, our colleges, our universities, our workplaces, and even our neighborhoods. Young people are the right people for this movement. We are smart, we are intelligent, we are young, we are vibrant. We are industrious and we are innovative. Dear young people, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. You are an asset, not a liability. Don't forget, Jesus' team was an all-youth team. Dear pastors, elders, deacons, fathers and mothers in the church, it is time to give the youth a chance like Saul gave to David. What would have become of the great Babylonian scholars, soothsayers, wise men, and dream interpreters if Daniel wasn't given a chance? With the support and guidance of an elder, Queen Esther saved her people. Let us arise and build the church. Queen Esther said, if I perish, I perish. Where are the Esthers of my generation? Like David, it's time to pick up our slings and bring down every Goliath. The brave three Hebrew guys, Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abadnego, even when faced with death, they remained faithful. Let us arise as the Gideons of our generation. Find what you are good at in your local church. Get involved in the different departments in the church. Do not wait to be called upon to serve. The harvest is ready, but the reapers are few. Come forth, let us build the church of God together. It is our collective responsibility. Put your God-given talent to use. May the calamity that befell the ungrateful servant who did not maximize his potential not be our portions in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But I want you to restart. Give me the old-time religion. Yes. It's good for me. It was good for our fathers. It was good enough for our mothers. It is good enough for me. Since the days of David, the youth have taken the mantle of leadership. David said to Saul, 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, Let no man lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Where Saul and the army of Israel saw a giant who has been a warrior since his youth, David saw an uncircumcised Philistine. David volunteered himself. 
He didn't say Israel have a great army. Building a multicultural church is our Goliath today. We have been given the mandate to go out and possess the nations. But by the grace of God, the nations have come to us. Yes. They are in our schools, okay. our colleges. Yeah, hold it. We have been given a mandate to go and possess the nations. But you say, by the grace of God, the nations have come to us. So on Sunday morning, the nation, the spheres, come to us. They come to church. They don't come to church. People, the lawyers amongst you, you have not come to me for me to teach you law. No. How can I teach you law? Yeah, no. The businessmen, you have not come to me for me to teach you how to do good business. And who am I to teach you how to do good business? The politicians. You see, our mother here, she's been contesting, and she's a great politician. How can I teach you politics? But see, when you come here, I'll teach you the principles and the values and the lifestyle of the kingdom of God so that you will put these values, these principles, and lifestyle in what you do. So you walk into your sphere with that kind of mentality and change the sphere. That is how powerful the church is. That is why it is the most powerful institution on earth. It is the place where all the institutions converge. All of you converge. Now, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. 1 to 4. Now, I want to engage the scripture. So, let's pay attention. This is what Azar, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple, now, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be as established as the highest of the mountains. You take all the mountains for institutions, but the mountain of the Lord's temple, which stands for the church in the last day, will be exalted as the highest or the most powerful of the other mountains or institutions. Now, it will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. They all stream to it. Verse, the next verse. Many peoples. Now, this is an Old Testament writing. Now, many people simply mean that those of the other nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his path. The Lord will go out from Zion. Zion is always a metaphoric way. But in the New Testament, when you're talking about Zion, we are talking about the church. The Lord will go out from where? The church. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Jerusalem and Zion is always used interchangeably. Now, so here, in the Old Testament, the law of Moses was received on Mount Sinai. But in the New Testament, the law will go out from Zion, the church. They will come to us to receive the law, to be taught. Now the next verse. He will judge between the nations and will settle what 
disputes for many peoples. In the church, we will settle disputes. They will beat their day. The parishioners who have come to us after receiving the word of God and settling the disputes, they will beat their saws into plowshares and their spheres into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up swords against nations, nor will they train for war anymore. Why? Their weapons have been converted into weapons of harvest. Yes. So they are not going to fight. And look at verse 5. Shall we read together? Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us now walk in the light of the Lord. So all of us come to us to learn of Christ. And then let us go out there and walk in the light of the Lord. Now, as I conclude, what then should we do? as ministers of the church, when all these people working in other spheres come to us, number one, we have to teach our members to see their secular jobs as opportunities for ministry and a call to serve. So if you're a teacher, you must see that it is a call to serve and it's an opportunity for ministry. You go to a class and there's about 30 people. You're always teaching them. We are not saying that go and always be preaching. But let your life and what you do change these ones. Take the teaching as an opportunity for ministry and a call to serve. I am a preacher. I'm not better than you who is a businessman. We are all in God's business. The God who created the departments He's interested in the pastoral ministry as well as he's interested in your department too. All of them, God is interested in them. Somebody said, if I don't become a minister, maybe God will reject me, so please accept me. People who do that, we we don't even accept them in the ministry in the first place. So when you are a lawyer, see that avenue as space for ministry. Number two, let us teach our members to understand that as people of faith, they should seek to practice all that they have learned from scripture. Every one of us should seek to practice. What is the use for coming to church if you don't want to practice the word of God? Then why do you come here? You ought to seek to practice. Mix the word with faith. Number three, every member should yoke their conscience to God's word, discipline themselves to bring all that they are involved in under the scrutiny of scripture. You ought to yoke your, your conscience with the word of God. Whatever you are doing, let your conscience be yoked to the word of God and discipline yourself and bring whatever you are involved in to the scrutiny of scripture. Yeah. Number four. Know that their lives in its entirety must reflect scripture. As a result, they must apply the understanding of God to every sphere of life. Seeing the church, the family, the state, the arts and science, the world of commerce and industry as spheres in which God must be saved and honored. 
see life as a whole and its creator as Lord of each department of it. Now, I've said that. So you see life as whole and that the creator God is Lord over every department of it. Yes. Number six. Understand that their domestic life is a calling and worship to God. A call to be a husband and a father. A call to be a mother and a wife. Your domestic life is a calling. So don't just marry because I've married this nice man. Know that you have a call to, to be a good wife, to be a good mother. So you cannot be an absentee father. No. Because you have a calling, just as I also have a calling. If you cannot re- respond to that call, stay unmarried. That's all. When you'll be an Then the last point. And that as Christians, shall we rise to our feet? I want us to take this last point reading together. So, so wherever you are, in any assembly or PRWC that you find yourself in, if you can, please stand on your feet and let us read this last point together. Ready, go. And that as Christians, they should be the best in everything. Best husbands, best teachers, best jaggy, best liars, best husband, best what? Best politician. This is the standard. This one is our standard. The best in all. Why do we brag that God is in us when you cannot be the best husband? Yeah, is that why do you say we have the power of the Holy Ghost? See, the power of the Holy Ghost is not only for casting demons. Yeah. It gives us power to be a good wife. Even when your husband is not responding. It gives us power to live a righteous life. I want to beg you to lift up your hands if you can. What did you hear God say to you? What are the changes you are going to make in your life from today? Who is going to confront our Goliath? Let it be you. That you be the best in everything. You are God's hope of glory. Shall we lift up our voice in prayer? I want to pray with you. We just conclude this prayer. Just bow down your head. Father, in the name of Jesus. We see our nation and we see the nations around us. We see where the world is taking us to. The understanding of Christianity is not coming that clear to us. We don't even want to suffer for your name's sake. We don't want to join the Apostle Paul's and the Peters who died because of their faith. We just want to save our skins. We are much more concerned about our lives and what will give us comfort than protecting and defending your name. We are praying today. Just forgive us and help us, oh God, that we will be able to stand up for you, that we will not be ashamed of you in the public arena so that we will be able to display the kingdom lifestyle at our workplaces, 
Help us that from today forward, the kingdom will flow from our churches onto the streets, onto the workplaces. Help us that from today, the kingdom will flow into our homes and bring great transformation. Forgive us once again. We acknowledge now we are in an economic challenge. The nation needs you, O oh God. Economic challenge that is threatening our peace and security. We pray in the name of Jesus. Coming against every force of darkness. Every orchestration of the enemy against this land. Father, I bring it to naught. And I pray, Father, have mercy upon the land. Save this nation. Prevent it from any chaos and calamity. And let it be in the name of Jesus that your peace, perfect peace, will rule in this land. From today forward, we declare that righteousness will be exalted over this nation. Righteousness will be exalted over this nation. And you will bless our motherland, Ghana. Bless the president. Bless the cabinet. And Father, have mercy upon this nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we please sit?